0: Well, good morning. Welcome to church. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. And as as you're coming in, let me just say thank you and welcome for being here today. If this is your first time, we are so happy you are worshiping with us this morning. Hey, I want to draw your attention to one thing first. If you can check into the service, that would be amazing. Whether you're in the room or watching online, if you can let us know you're here, the instructions are on the screen. That would be awesome. Also, if you're in the room, there is this Valentine's Day colored information sheet that covers the entire month of february so make sure you grab that it's got all the things coming up this month and in future months that you need to be aware of so make sure you grab that the big deal coming up is pizza with the pastors one announcement we to let you know about is this coming up on february 11th this is a class that it's a time where um, you can find out more about the church how to join the church and eat pizza which is always a plus so if you would like to be a part of that let us know you can text the keyword pizza to that number, and that will let us know that you're coming. We have child care for that, and so make sure, if you have not done that yet, to be a part of that class. So this is a big week here at the church. This is our Night to Shine prep week for our Night to Shine event on Friday. That is our prom for people with special needs, and we're really excited. We have over 400 volunteers coming on campus this week. In fact, if you're somebody who's volunteering for Night to Shine, would you stand so we can honor you? There should be people all across the room. Thank you. You you can be seated. And if you're watching online, I hope you stood up as well. We just couldn't see you. Um, This is a very exciting event, 150 VIPs and a lot of volunteers from all over over the city. And so we'll take a moment this morning, pray for Night to Shine, pray for the volunteers, and just pray that God uses this to spread the gospel across the whole city. So would you pray for me as we start today's service? Father God, we love you. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing in the life of this church as we do our best to be for the land and to honor you through events like Night to Shine and and Sunday worship services and some of the things that we do. So God, this morning as we are in the preparation phases for what's going to happen this Friday, we we pray for a special blessing that the weather would hold up, that people wouldn't get sick. And God, most of all, that people see you through that event. As VIPs show up and as volunteers show up, I pray that this would be less about a dance and more about you, and that we'd see people come to know Jesus through what happens this week. Father God, I thank you for this church. Thank you for what we're allowed to do in our city, and for churches all over the world who are doing their best to honor you. God, thank you so much for this time of worship. We pray this in your name. Amen. Good Sunday morning.
1: Our voices and sing and praise and worship together as we thank God for all he's done. Let's sing. Wandering into the night, wanting a place to hide this weary soul, this bones. I try with all my might, but I just can't win the fight. Just when I...
2: And is and is to come. What a beautiful thing to be able to sing about the holiness of God and to exalt him and honor him for who he is, for what he has done. What a privilege of being able to sing and to to worship today. As we continue to worship, we we come to this moment where every month at the beginning of the month, we, we have the privilege of being able to remember, to recognize, and to reflect on all that Jesus has done for us. We're, today we're going to share a lot, and, it's, and this may sound like an odd uh, topic, but today we're going to share a lot about blood, and that may feel a little weird, um, but blood is, was the payment for sins of the nation of Israel. They would come and they would sacrifice a, a bull or a goat or a lamb, and, and that would be their payment for sins. In, in the story that we're going to look at today, blood was the deliverance of the people, And then when we get to the point of Jesus, he comes and he says, this is my blood of the new covenant. Talking about that Passover meal, he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. And he's pointing to the fact that people are going to be forgiven of their sins by the blood that he will shed on the cross. And so the blood of Christ is a a powerful topic. It's a powerful subject. And the blood of Jesus can make a massive difference in Our lives. If you've not received Christ as your savior, this is a great chance to think about that, to to consider that, to recognize that Jesus gave his life on the cross. He shed his blood so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And so today, as we come to this moment, as we share the Lord's Supper together, as you receive the bread and the cup, the cup represents the blood of Christ, the bread represents the body of Christ. We'll talk about that here in just a moment, but as we take this meal, this observance, it is an opportunity for us to recognize all that Jesus has done for us. And so I want to just say we would welcome you. If you've given your life to Jesus, you don't have to be a member of Stetson Baptist Church to participate in the Lord's Supper here. We would welcome you to to be able to share in the Lord's Supper together. All we ask is that you've given your life to Jesus and trusted him as your Lord. Is your Savior. And then beyond that, if you, uh, when this, these plates are passed, there are going to be two cups in every slot. Just make sure you grab both of them so that, uh, so that you can make sure that you have both the bread and the cup and you can observe with us fully. If you're watching from home, we would love for you to participate with us. We can't be there, but we would love for you to be able to grab something to eat and drink that can represent the body and the blood of Christ as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. So with that said, if our servers will come forward, I'm gonna have a word of prayer and then we're gonna share the Lord's Supper together. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for all that you are. Thank you for the privilege of being together. And God, I pray that you will just continue to work in our lives. God, thank you for these moments that we have together. And God, I pray that you will show us your grace, your purpose, and that we will rest in you. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for sending Jesus. And we thank you for the privilege of remembering. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. of Jesus is a picture of our forgiveness. It is a reality of the payment for our sins. It is an opportunity for us to recognize who Jesus is and what he has done for us. You know, blood is precious. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, I actually spent about three days in the hospital learning how precious blood was. Because you start having any sort of significant blood loss and you're going to have some problems. Physically, it's not going to go well. And there are things called transfusions that I'd never really been a part of before, but all of a sudden I was. Because my heart was struggling and my body was struggling. I couldn't do things that I needed to do. I I literally couldn't get up and walk across the room because of a loss of blood. And I'll tell you, blood is precious to us because of our bodies and the way we function, but blood is precious to our spirits, to our souls, because it was by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross that we have forgiveness of our sins. It was the payment of blood that he made that allowed us to experience purity and holiness and forgiveness, not because of anything that we have done, actually If it were left up to us, we would be very unholy and very unpure and very unclean. But because of the blood of Jesus, we receive forgiveness. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks for it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body. In that moment, he was saying that this is my body that was that will be broken and beaten and bruised and battered and placed on the cross and placed in the tomb. And yet it was that body that would rise again, that we would celebrate the resurrection and the life. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood, meaning this is your forgiveness. This is your opportunity. This is what you've been waiting for. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Men, Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful. We're grateful for all that you do in our lives. We're grateful for the privilege of being in this moment. We're grateful for the, we're grateful for Jesus. We're grateful for the blood that he shed on the cross. We're grateful for his bodily resurrection. We're grateful that one day he will come back to receive us as his own. And God, we look forward to that day. Thank you. Thank you for the remembrance of the Lord's Supper. Thank you for the privilege of knowing and following. Thank you, God, for all that you do. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, Russell Sanborn, come Russell. Russell is the, uh, the chairperson of our uh, search team for the adult discipleship pastor position. And the reason that he comes today is because uh, that
3: committee, that team, has a wonderful announcement to make. Russell. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Good morning, church. Uh, as the pastor search committee, uh, I'd like to say thank you to the members, Dan Glenn, Nicole Harper, Christy Cush, Heather DeRose, Lee Murray, and Jen Wickstrom. We got together. Um, <clears throat> I was elected the uh, chairman, although I, I was more told to do that job. But I was uh, proud to be a part of that team because you have a fantastic search committee that really came together, put a lot of prayer and effort into it, and we are um, did a lot of interviews, we went through a lot of uh, emails, uh, we did some Zoom calls with candidates, and, <clears throat> and then we had our candidate come uh, to our uh, here and personally uh, talk with them. And just what a fantastic process, and I'm just proud Uh, to announce to you that uh, we would like to call uh, Zach Burke as a candidate for the Adult Discipleship Pastor Uh, he'll be coming here shortly Dan will give you some more information but uh, it's exciting times for this church and we look forward to it thank you Dan thank you
2: Church, we are, uh, we are so pleased, and uh, I, let me just say, and you'll get some more information as we continue to move forward, but um, this is a new position for our church, uh, and one of the reasons why we are looking at new positions, some of you may say, well, wait a minute, don't we have a couple of open pastor positions? Why don't we fill those first? And, and uh, well, I, I, I would agree. I understand where you're coming from. I, y'all, I, I'm just going to be really blunt with you. Our church is growing. I mean, it, it is a really exciting thing to see. And uh, let me just say, if you, are, if you are fairly new here, thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of seeing God do bigger and better things here at Stetson Baptist. Um, if you've been here for a while, some of you are looking around going, there's a lot of faces I don't know. And that's a good thing. That is a really positive thing because it means that the church is expanding in its influence and expanding in its effect. And as we continue to move forward, we have to continue to make decisions based on where we're headed rather than just where we are all the time. And so if we're always making decisions for where we are, then we're just going to stay there. But if we're always thinking about where are we going and where is God taking us, then it's going it's to lead us to do some uh, different things. And so we're so excited. I'm so pleased Um, about Zach and Marley and their three kids. Uh, They have, now listen, they have a five-year-old and two twin two-year-olds. Ain't that fun. Anyway, all that to say, we are so pleased, and uh, I think when you get a chance to meet Zach and Marley and their family, uh, you're just going to love them and care for them and welcome them as a part of what God is doing here at Stetson Baptist Church. They will be with us the weekend of February 24th, 25th. We I wanted to bring them a week earlier, but there's this thing happening in our area on February the 18th, that meant that there were zero hotels available. So um, some of you know about that, some of you don't. It's the Daytona 500. Um, so anyway, it's a big race that goes on uh, a few few miles from here. Um, but uh, we are going to have them here at January, uh, February 24th, 25th. We'll make sure that you have all the information leading up to that. But so pleased and just so grateful for the work that this team did. Uh, and so I know that you will be excited about meeting Zach and his family uh, when they are here over that weekend. Amen? Amen. Good stuff. Hey, uh, I'm so excited that you are here today, and I'm just uh, praying that God will speak to us in a powerful way. If you have your Bibles, you can open with me to Exodus chapter 12. We have been answering this question for a little while. It is, what is the gospel? Now, for those of you who have been here for a couple of weeks, um, last week I gave you a test. The the week before I made it grammatically correct and then this week I reverted completely and I apologize in advance because we have gotten, we have gone back to the run on sentence, no commas, it's just terrible. Um, But here it is, you ready? Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross for my sin And rose again. For those of you grammarians out there, I'll have it corrected again next week. You know, copy and paste sometimes just bothers you, right? So anyway, that's where we are, but you got it. Jesus lived a perfect life, died on the cross for my sins, and rose again. We've been talking for quite a while that that sentence, that statement, the message of the gospel, did not just start with the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The message of the gospel and the truth of the gospel has been around from the very beginning. It was God's plan from the very beginning. All the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, God had a plan. And his plan was to redeem his people. And he redeemed it by Jesus living a perfect life. Dying, dying on the cross for my sin and your sin and rising again. So we're going to look today at a story. From Exodus chapter 12 is, is where we're going to focus. There's, a, there's, a lot, there's more to this story, but I, I'll, just, I'll just say this is a fairly well known story. And the reason that it's well known is because, like a lot of other stories in the Bible and especially in the Old Testament, um, somebody somewhere along the way decided that this would be a good, like, children's story. Like a, a story that you would read to your kids, like, you know, as a bedtime it's time to go to bed. Here's a Bible story. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. Gather around, kids. Let me tell you about the time that God's chosen people, the nation of Israel, were in captivity. As a matter of fact, they, they were slaves. To get his people released, God unleashed a set of not one, not two, not three, but ten plagues. That's right. And the ten plagues were were set on the nation that had that had they were holding Israel. That nation was Egypt. It was some pretty scary stuff. Water turned to blood. Sores broke out on people's bodies. Fire from heaven. Bugs, bugs, and then some more bugs. And then God killed the firstborn in every family in Egypt yep that would have been you little Johnny night night sweet dreams Yo, why do we do this I mean honestly when you step back from some of the things that we do as believers and some of the things that we read and some of the things that we teach
1: we're a little crazy we're a
2: little we're a little weird I mean why would we make that a children's story It's not a children's story, but it is a beautiful story because it is so poignant and it is such a great reminder. I will say that final plague, that 10th plague was the beginning of a feast called Passover. And did you know that Passover is the basis for which we come to the Lord's Supper and are reminded of what Jesus did? It's a beautiful thing. It's something that we need to be aware of. Before we read in Exodus chapter 12, let me just give you a little bit of the context. We've already talked about it in the children's story idea, but the Israelites have been in Egypt for 200 years. 430 years have passed since God appeared to Abram and said, I'm going to make you into a great nation. You're going to be wonderful. You're going to be, your your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky, and now they're in captivity in slavery. Pharaoh, God, 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 establishes a deliverer and sends Moses to deliver his people out of Egypt and Pharaoh refuses, sets off a series of plagues, 10 of them, but none of them are as bad as this 10th plague, the plague of the death of the firstborn. How many of you like me are the firstborn in your family? Yep. See, first child, dead child. just how that's what worked sorry you should have been born first that's what your sister and brother said to you by the way as that 10th plague is coming though God speaks to his people and he says these words in Exodus chapter 12 says the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt he said this month shall be for you the beginning of months it shall be the first month of the year for you tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of this month every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat. You shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. I'm sure that was a sad moment. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on two doorposts, and the lentil of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs... And its inner parts, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning, until anything that remains until the morning, you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. if you're not going, well, that's weird, then you didn't really pay attention because that's a little odd. So every family is going to get a lamb at twilight. They're all going to walk out in the backyard and they're going to kill the lamb. Can you imagine the bleating? Can you imagine the sound? Can you imagine, honestly, the anguish? They've had that little lamb in their household for 14 days. You think they're not attached? And yet the lamb will die. And the blood will be placed on the doorposts and on the lintel, side to side, across the top. And that blood will be a sign for this death angel that is going to pass through. And that angel will take the firstborn of every household where the blood is not seen. But for every household where the blood is seen on the left and right and across the top, in those households... The angel will pass over, and the firstborn will be spared. When this instruction got to the people of Israel, do you think they all were like, well, that makes sense? <laughs> or do you think they probably looked at it and said, we, we, we do what? Excuse me? I don't know if I fully understand what you're trying to, to illustrate or tell, tell me to do, but okay. Do you think there were any households where I mean I'm sure there were a few households that they were like whatever they say that's what we do those are like the good church people you know they told us to and so we're in and they're like okay I don't I don't understand it but they told me to do it so I'm good all right Moses done check but I have a I have a I have an imagination that maybe there were a few of those that were like. All right, I'll do it, but I'm still going to be real careful that night. I might hide my firstborn. I kind of like him. I might see if maybe I could, uh, you know, a uh, nurse on hand, medicine ready to go, just in case he starts to get a little sickly. But I'll do what you told me to do because I just want to take all the precautions. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what they thought. What I do know, though, is that the proclamation of God to Moses and Aaron and the obedience of the people to do what they were supposed to do meant that the firstborn of those households was spared. And in the nation of Egypt, as that angel passed through and the firstborn of those other households died, there was great wailing and gnashing of teeth in the nation of Egypt. There was a great, there was a great loss of life that night. How crazy, how wild. Now, I'll tell you, there's so much to be said about the observance of Passover. There's so much to be said about this moment and about the continual observance of Passover throughout time. I want to share with you just just three quick things that I think really kind of give us an, an understanding of this moment and lead us to the message of the gospel before Christ. Here's the first one. What we see here is we see an obedient people leading to life obedient. Obedient. They weren't necessarily knowledgeable. They weren't necessarily understanding. They were just obedient. You told me that I needed to do this, I'm going to do it. I'm not nec- I, I, I don't, I, you know, we don't have a real picture of their emotions, but I just have to believe that there were some people that that night were like, they told me to, so I, I will, but I don't, I don't understand I think you and I probably would have been in that category. I would like for it to make sense, but it doesn't make sense. But like Moses has been really good those other nine plagues. He said they were going to happen and they happened. So maybe we should pay attention to him and do what he says. So they did. Just real quickly aside, did God save the doubtful, obedient person any more than he saved the faithful, obedient person? No, both were saved. So I'll just say sometimes we take a step of faith and trust and belief, even though we may still have some doubts on the inside. Our doubts don't determine our relationship. Our doubts don't determine our deliverance. That's just something that's a that's a side issue. But some of you are like, even in your relationship with Jesus, you're like, I believe in Jesus. I just, I got some questions. I just want you to know God's big enough to handle your questions. The step that we need to take is to be obedient, to be faithful, even in the midst of maybe some questions that we might have. So we see an obedient people leading life, a group of people that say, I'm, I'm going I'm to do what I'm supposed to do. Secondly, we see a faithful people pointing to recollection now this kind of goes further because every single year the the Jewish people the Hebrew people would continue to observe Passover they would remember and remember and remember and remember and remember every year they would remember this moment through a feast through a through a gathering through a reading through a through a recognition through a through a uh, recollection of, of what had happened that first Passover, they would remember the deliverance of God. They would remember the, the, the lamb's blood being painted on the doorpost and on the lentil. It was a faithful people. Even though they may not have fully understood, even though it didn't fully make sense to them, they were still faithful. And then thirdly, listen to this. They were an expectant people hoping for a Savior. In the Passover, there is a picture, and you've probably already seen it. A picture, left and right, blood. And then across the top, in some ways, the picture of a cross made out of blood on these door frames. And because of that picture of the cross painted in blood, death would not visit that home. In the same way, we believe in Jesus and the blood that he shed on the cross. And it allows us to recognize that Jesus is our Savior. These people were hoping for a Savior. You see, Throughout the prophets and throughout even way back in in very, very uh, old times, they were always looking for a deliverer. They were always looking for somebody to save them, an anointed one, a chosen one, their word, a Messiah. They were looking towards the Messiah in the Passover, looked back, looked here, and looked ahead. Obedient people leading to life, faithful people pointing to recollection, let's remember, and an expectant people hoping for a Savior. Let me dig into those for just a moment. First, think about faith. Those faithful people, those faithful people that, that, that pointed to a recollection, just their willingness to continue to move forward. Forward. What does faith mean to us today? How do we express, how, how can we relate to the nation of Israel and to the Hebrew people in their understanding of Passover faith? We can have faith. We can have trust. We can have belief. How do we express our faith? Well, there's a lot of different ways. Let me give you the first. How do we express our faith? by giving our life to Jesus, by trusting Jesus as our Lord and as our Savior. That is the first step of faith, to say, I believe in Christ, I believe in the death that he died on the cross. I believe in his resurrection. I believe in his lordship. I believe in his ability to forgive my sins. I believe in the blood that he shed on the cross. I believe in him. I put my trust in him. I put my faith in him. I give Jesus my life. That's faith. I believe it. We talked about that last week where we talked about Naaman. How Naaman went to the Jordan River and dipped and dipped and dipped and dipped and dipped. And finally on the seventh time, he came up and he was completely clean. Did that make sense? No. Did it work? Yes. Sometimes faith doesn't make sense. But when we put our faith in Jesus, I promise you, it may not make sense, but it's very effective. It will make a difference in your life. Faith. If you've never given your life to Jesus... At the, end of our, at the end of many of our services, I, I ask people to raise their hand and say, I want to give my life to Jesus. And I, I'll lead you in a prayer. Can I just say, I don't know if you know this, but when I say, hey, just continue to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed and, 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 you know, I just don't want anybody looking around. I don't know if you know this, but I look. I cheat every time. And most of you know that because when you raise your hand, You look at me, and I'm like, gotcha. And I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call your name. I'm not going to make a show of you. But we make eye contact. For some of you, we make eye contact week after week after week after week after week. And you keep raising your hand saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. Can I just tell you something? Just let me just kind of cut through all the stuff you don't have to keep doing that once you have asked Jesus to be your savior he says yes you know why you keep raising your hand the reason you keep raising your hand is not because you don't have faith it's because you have not yet taken a step of obedience in the same way that they were obedient and put the, the, the blood on the doorframe of their houses. Again, maybe it didn't make sense to them, but they were like, it doesn't need to make sense. I just need to do it because that's what I'm supposed to do. You're, you're sitting there going, okay, well, I don't want to keep raising my hand, so I need to take a step of obedience. What is the step of obedience that I need to take? Do I need to start reading my Bible? Well, yeah, that's, that'd be a great thing. Do I need to start coming to church? The only reason you're raising your hand is because you're in church. Because, you, you know, it'd be kind of hard, you know, you wouldn't know when to raise your hand. I'm outside. Uh, oh, there it is. Okay. Now, that would be weird, right? Um, what do I need to do? I just need to start doing everything the pastor says. That is true. <laughs> but it's not where I'm going. What step of obedience... Why do I keep raising my hand saying, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to give my life to Jesus? Do you know why? Because you haven't taken a step of obedience. What step do I need to take? It's called baptism. Literally, scripturally, the first step of obedience, when you give your life to Jesus, the first step of obedience is baptism. You say, well, that does not make sense. Didn't ask you if it made sense. It is scripturally the first step of obedience for a Christian. For a believer, if you've given your... I'm telling you, and I... I, I, I could name names, I won't, but I promise you, there are some people in this room that raised their hand, raised their hand, raised their hand, raised their hand, raised their, raise their hand, raise their hand, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to give my life to Jesus. As soon as they took that step of obedience in baptism, they quit raising their hand. Because they were like, oh, I get it. I've done it. I made that step. And all of a sudden, a lot of other things started to fall into place for them. I give my life to Jesus. Faith. Raise my hand. I want to give my life to Jesus. Obedience. Baptism. Third, like the people in Passover, we need to have a sense of expectation. We need to always be recognizing and understanding that, and I hope that you can go with me on this, that this world is not all there is, that there's something better. There's got to be y'all. I mean I'll I'll just open a can of worms here. I won't close it. So I'll just open it. We're about to have an election. Don't y'all love elections? Don't y'all love all the drama and junk and ads and robocalls that go with elections? Isn't it so much fun? Don't you long for a place where elections don't happen? There is a place. It is called Heaven. No elections in heaven. No Democrats or Republicans in heaven. I mean, they're both there, but I mean, I want you to, don't get me wrong. But, but nobody makes that distinction because God loves us all and he invites us all to come to him and he welcomes us all. Can I just tell you, if I could draw it up for God, I would make him come back, send Jesus about November 1st of 2024. And be like, y'all ain't voting. Wouldn't that be awesome? Because I, I hate election years. Y'all, we've got to have an expectation that there's something better out there. That there's a better plan. That God's got something better than what we're looking at and what we're experiencing every day. Amen. So let me ask you three quick questions. I'll be done today. Number one, have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? Have you given your life to Christ? Have you prayed a prayer of salvation and meant it? Have you raised your hand at the end of a sermon and said, I need to do that? And you believed it and you trusted it. And then you came back the next week and you did it again, you did it again, you did it again. Listen, all it takes is once. Have you ever truly believed in Jesus and put your faith in his hands? Believe him, trust him. He offers himself to you. Have you accepted Jesus as your savior? Number two, have you been obedient in baptism? Now, I, I, I'll, I'm just going to stop here for just a second, and I'm going to give you. am going to give you a next step because some of you, some of you are like, I have, I have raised my hand a bunch. I know that, and and by the way, so do I. Like I know your name, I know your face, I know what your palm looks like, I've seen you. I got it, that's awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being repetitively obedient and repetitively faithful. Awesome, take a step of obedience. I promise you, I promise you, if you're sitting there going, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, that step of obedience is what you need to know. And it will help you to know. So if you've never done that, if you've never been baptized, it is giving your life to Jesus is step one. Being baptized is step 1A. Got it? So I want to encourage you to take that step. So I'm going to give you two ways that you can do that. And listen, I'm not going to make it hard on you, I'm not going to make you come down front, not make you, uh, anyway, but just if you would like to take that step of baptism, I want you to do one of two things. Either one, I want you to grab that blue card that's right in front of you. I want you to write your name down. It'd be great if we had some contact information. It'd be even more awesome if we could read it. And then if you'll just write the word baptism on there and put it in the box when you leave, that would be great. Or, Or, or you can text your name to that number. If you would just text us, we will call you. And we will set up a time to sit down and talk with you about where you are in your faith so that you can take that step of baptism. Really simple. If you've never been baptized, your phone should be out. You should be texting me saying... Pastor Dan, you guilted me into it. I need to be baptized. I hear you. Can you please stop talking about it? Number three, have you accepted Jesus as your savior? Have you been obedient in baptism? And number three, and I hope this strikes you the way it struck me. Are you ready for him to return? Are you ready for him to return? Now, I, I know that sounds like a really simple question because we should all go, oh yeah. But for some of us, we're not ready. And let me tell you why. Because we have a friend. or We have a family member. Or we have a spouse. Or we have a coworker that we really think a lot of. And that person has not yet made a decision to follow Christ. So we're not ready. Even though, we're, even though we know that when he comes back, we're ready to go, but we know that we would leave somebody behind. And that hurts. So for you, I want this moment to be an encouragement, to take a step of faith, to be obedient, to share the message of Christ with that person because they need to hear it. And you might be the person that needs to tell them. Don't let this moment pass. Pray for them, yes. Talk to them, yes. Be a friend to them, yes. But the greatest greatest expression of friendship and love that you could offer, tell them about Jesus. Because friend, they need to hear it. And you might be the person to tell them. Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? I hope you have. Have you been obedient to him in baptism? Send me a message. If not, are you ready for him to split the sky and to say, everyone who believes in me, let's go. Let's look forward to that day.
1: Let's pray. Father, thank you.